And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Dr. Peter Hammond, founder and director of Frontline Fellowship. And Peter, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Thank you so much, Dan. Good to be back. Before we open the mic, we were talking about some of the challenges we have as um, time goes on, and you've gone through a, a stroke and kidney stones, and um, I think maybe one of the biggest challenges is um, you lost your wife, and our listeners are familiar with that, and uh, Peter, just it's so good to talk with you today, and I know it's not easy, and you're fitting us in, and I want to thank you for your time today and for, for meeting with us like this. Thank you. Uh, well, there's there's a lot on the go right here at the moment. We, in fact, have a whole lot of military veterans staying at the Mission House right now. There's a series of uh, remembrance services, chaplain services at the castle and um, around Cape Town over the last weekend and this coming weekend. And so we, we're hosting some military vet- veterans here. We've got... Uh, some major events upcoming. I'm heading into the field next week, Tuesday, because I've got um, invitations to minister at a mission station in KwaZulu-Natal and then to speak at National Alliance for Life conference organized by Doctors for Life just before the International Life Chain Sunday. And we always organize Marches for Life and Life Chain Sundays, so that's coming up on the 1st of October. Uh, but we're sending off Bibles to the field. Just yesterday we were shipping off um, a whole lot of boxes of Bibles to Zimbabwe and to Swaziland in the local languages, Saswati and Indibeli. And there's so much movement going on. I saw an interesting report recently from Operation World. Now, Operation World of Patrick Johnson is the number one source of information on missions worldwide. And uh, these missiologists inform us that Africa has 600 million people who identify themselves as Christians today, 600 million Christians in Africa. And that is set to double by 2050. So next 25 years, it's anticipated, if present trends continue, Africa will become the largest Christian continent in the world Mm. with more Christians here than maybe any other continent or even all other continents combined. We're expecting 1 billion, 200 million Christians just in Africa by the year 2050. So we, we are sitting in the middle of a massive church growth in Africa, and that's good and great, but there's a negative that comes with it. The negative is this. Hundreds of millions of churchgoers in Africa don't even have a copy of a Bible or a New Testament. And most pastors in Africa have no Bible college training, no formal training at all. Most have no access to a library. Most do not have a study Bible. Some pastors do not even have a Bible. I mean, that's hard to believe, but that's our serious situation. So that makes our ministry particularly strategic because the greatest need in Africa right now is Bibles and Bible teaching. We need leadership training in literature, and that's, of course, at the heart of our mission is to provide literature for Africa. That's the name of one of our ministries, and we are distributing about 100 tons of Bibles and books every single year, completely oh. free, as far north as as Egypt and Sudan, as far west as going all the way through to Nigeria and uh, the heartland as well, Congo, um, all over Africa, especially Zambia and Zimbabwe, which are our major stomping grounds. Uh, Mozambique and so on, but um, our our mission must be geared up for more literature distribution and more le- more leadership training. Some of which is done online, some of which is done by radio and podcasts and websites. Uh, but of course, on the ground, boots on the ground is critical too. So 
I was at a ministers' conference in March this year in KwaZulu, where we had 2,000 ministers and missionaries from over 60 countries gathered in one place, and uh, I was able to minister to them. That was such a privilege. Just in July, I was at a youth conference of 7,000 young people Mm. in one place where we were ministering to them. So the church growth is phenomenal, and you can't have enough Bibles and you cannot have enough leadership training because the church is growing so fast, we can't keep pace with it. It's just, it's a great challenge. And if we don't keep pace, the cults and the false teaching will get in. So it's so important for us that we are making sure that we are reaching people with good teaching because otherwise... TBN and a whole lot of other weird things will uh, dominate. And what we've seen is the name it, claim it, and frame it, gab it and grab it gospel, so-called. <laughs> um, this uh, uh, prosperity cult, that unfortunately really dominates many parts of Africa. So we've yes. really got to work hard to make sure that we um, are reaching the people with what the Word of God is, which is why my project of preaching through and teaching through summarizing every book in the Bible is such a major challenge producing the Old Testament survey, which we had to reprint earlier this year because of so much need. So that was, uh, it was so sold out. So we got a special print run of a few thousand um, Old Testament surveys that I was just reading free to people who came to the minister's conference. So I thought, starting with the Old Testament, to get people to preach line by line, word by word through every, every book in the Bible was one of the most strategic things we could do. Well, this is uh, this is amazing, fascinating. Um, God is moving in a very powerful way in Africa. Um, what a statistic! Uh, you now have six hundred million Christians there, and by year twenty fifty, you expect that to rise to one point two billion, and yet so many of them do not have Bibles. And I, I have a website here in front of me, GiveSendGo.com slash Frontline Fellowship. And is that something where people could give and participate in getting these Bibles out to people in Africa? Yes, indeed. I mean, basically, the only thing holding us back is not sufficient funds. So uh, the GiveSendGo is a good new project. Um, we haven't done fundraising through um, the 40 years of Frontline Fellowship, but I was persuaded last year that we must start to give opportunities. for the, the need is so great, we need to give people an opportunity for funding without high-pressure tactics or anything like this. Yeah. And, you know, we've never so much as taken a, um, an offering at any of our meetings. I've never taken speakers' fees. And, no. um, some people, um, and all the, um, the 40-odd books that I've written, all the royalties go straight into the mission and fund our, our field trips. So wow. I've not taken personally from my book royalties or the books I've written or anything like that. But, um, yes, this gives and goes a good project because people who want to engage in, for example, our literature for Africa, our Bibles in indigenous African languages, or the audio Bibles for people in the Nuba Mountains. Many people who've lost their eyesight have been blinded so that they can have audio Bibles or people who are illiterate. Yes. So the audio Bibles is another one of the practicals. We're trying to provide a whole range of things from boxes with love for uh, people who are starving and suffering in Zimbabwe. So that's some of our love and action for prisoners, pastors, pensioners. Uh, so we've got different gifts and go projects for those who may be interested. We're doing quite a lot on the pro-life front, uh, such as upcoming this life chain. And we've been organizing the pro-life ministry in South Africa a lot uh, for the last uh, 30 years. And that's so important because, you know, in Africa, we have only one country in the whole continent of Africa that legalizes abortion, and that's 
sadly, South Africa, but that's because it's it's not popular. It's something that was pushed in from the New World Order through when they installed the ANC, they got this put in, but it doesn't reflect the people here. All over Africa, people are against abortion, and we've even persuaded some countries like Zambia to bring in legislation to oppose abortion, which Good. didn't exist before. So we think it's so important to preserve the missionary sending base of Africa. So our pro-life work is also significant. There's a whole range of things like that. But yes, so if people visit our frontline mission, sa.org website, they'll see some of the projects undergoing the reports on being a quartermaster store for missions throughout the continent. We, our mission house is like a beehive here. We have people coming here with everything from bicycles uh, to trucks and big pentechnicans, 18-wheeler trucks, where we have to hire a forklift and prepare a whole lot of pallets and in, in a very short space time get 28 tons of with about a ton on each pallet of Bibles and books on the back of a big truck heading up to Zambia or Zimbabwe and basically enabling ministries all over the continent to function well. We are the local distributors for World Missionary Press Gospel Booklets and they've already distributed over 7 million gospel booklets through us in 100 languages and we get container shipments of maybe 2 million gospel booklets in 4,000 boxes coming at one time that we have to offload and organize. So it's a big operation, but it's not big enough because um, the need is so much greater and sometimes I feel like we're dropping the buckets or or in the ocean rather because Africa is a huge continent and it's it's a massive harvest field and Lord's thrusting out laborers into this harvest field. But uh, we need more workers and, uh, and uh, more resources to be able to provide what people need throughout Africa. Uh, textbooks for teachers, Christian textbooks for teachers is a key thing. Um, libraries for pastors, study Bibles for pastors and for Bible college students. I'm lecturing regularly at the Back to the Bible mission, which is a wonderful mission. Uh, it's run by General Shai Mulder, who was once general in charge of the engineers in South Africa, a veteran of the war in Angola. And General Mulder has me on staff as a faculty member. I go and regularly and lecture on uh, normally missions, but also on biblical worldview and Muslim evangelism too. And uh, they had me there for African church history this year. And they have got students, maybe 100 students from uh, 20 different countries. There's about 60 languages on site at any one time. And so we're regularly seeing these students when they finish their three-year program going back all over Africa and becoming key parts of our network in distribution of Bibles, organizing seminars and courses and conferences for us to come and minister at. And just recently I've been put on faculty to help at the University of the Orange Free State's Missiology Department. So every Friday I'm giving a lecture by <laughs> um, remote on missions to the University of the Orange Free State, which is um, – a wonderful opportunity reaching people we wouldn't normally reach from mainline denominations. It's amazing. God is using you, and I can tell from your energy that you've uh, you made a lot of headway in getting over the remnants of your stroke. And I thank God that you're doing so very well. Today we're talking with Dr. Peter Hammond. And he is founder and director of Frontline Fellowship, and uh, Peter has has a heart for missions of um, seeing people come to the Lord Jesus Christ and also getting Bibles into their hands. And um, these projects that um, he's involved with, he's opened it up so that we can have a part. Um, GiveSendGo.com slash Frontline Fellowship 
is uh, is available. So, dear listener, if you want to help uh, get the gospel out in this huge continent of Africa, uh, here is a very good way of doing it. Peter, can you talk a little bit to um, something maybe people feel uncomfortable with? Because many times uh, their faith or our faith stays within the four walls of the church. But that is um, the pushback that you get from Marxism, from the communists, and uh, they don't love our Lord Jesus, do they? No, indeed. Um, I've been bombed, and uh, at churches have been ambushed, uh, shot at while traveling through countries controlled by the communists. We've been in churches that's preaching and come under aerial bombardment, artillery bombardment, and uh, I've ended up in prison on occasion in Marxist countries in Africa, so Yes, we know that there's a lot of hostility, and even our government, we've got a Marxist-orientated government in South Africa, and for me, marching people to Parliament to call the people back to the Bible, our president uh, put the revenue service onto us at one stage, and we had 13 years of audit. They went back six years, which was the maximum, and carried on for seven years. We had a 13-year audit because I challenged President um, Mandela um, over the paganism that they were bringing, the legalization of abortion, pornography, yes. and legalizing gambling and Sabbath desecration and taking the Bible out of schools and a whole range of things that we opposed. And so his um, answer was to put the revenue service onto me the, the very next Monday. Wow. So I, I marched 30,000 people to Parliament on a Tuesday. On a Thursday, the president summoned me to his mansion. And on Monday morning, the revenue service knocked on our door and um, started to audit myself, my wife, and all of our ministries um, going back as far as they could. And you can imagine that's quite um, intimidating because those of us who are not accountants and don't really have a gifting in the, that way, mm. you know, we, and we don't know all the laws. And the way they've set up the laws, almost everybody is vulnerable any time that that's they choose. Right. That's right. As you've noticed, there's so many rules that nobody can possibly read, let alone understand. And so uh, we were really harangued and harassed. But we keep going. And, of course, uh, we we have threats. And we're living in a violent country. There was... There's, there's a lot of crime and violence that goes on. I recently had my daughter and son were both had their cell phones stolen within the space of one week. And, uh, in fact, uh, my son was mugged um, uh, by a whole lot of people as he's just passing by uh, Cape Town Station. And uh, um, extraordinary, that sort of nonsense that goes on. I had an experience uh, ministering in Durban uh, where I was mugged twice within 10 minutes. Oh now, dear! Yeah, you know, we know there's a lot of crime that happen, but uh, uh, it it it's, it just gives you firsthand insight of what's going on. I was crossing the broad West Street. Uh, it was late at night, and I'd just spoken at a Christian conference, and uh, they put me in a hotel where the air conditioning wasn't working, and it was swelteringly hot. <laughs> so I put on my shorts and sandals and t-shirt, and head out for some fresh air to walk along the famous Golden Mile beachfront, and as I crossed the main street, West Street, to get there, I could see a group of four Nigerians positioning themselves to intercept me once I arrived on the other side of this broad one-way road. And the leader, a very large man, waved a silver pistol in my face, declaring, uh, we're mugging you. Oh, dear. Well, my right hand was already in a pocket of my shorts. They probably didn't think a person's shorts and T-shirt could be armed. I gripped the handle of my vault, a PPK 9mm <laughs> pistol, thrust it into his face firmly and said, no, you're not. And he... He disappeared so fast, it was amazing. And I turned around to cover the other four, uh, the other three of the four. Uh, they 
were running so fast, uh, it was amazing. They'd been there just seconds before. How fast they disappeared, even though they were armed, just meeting a bit of resistance. Well, I replaced the Volta PPK back in my pocket, and uh, PPK stands for Pocket Pistol Criminal. It was mm-hmm. German police pistol from 1932, and it's, these are very compact, and they're designed to fit in your pocket. So that's what I was doing. <laughs> and so I continued my evening stroll down Durban's famous beachfront, and before long, I was aware I was being followed. So looking in rearview mirrors and reflections from windows of parked cars on the Marine Parade, I could see three black men were shadowing me, and they were different men from the ones I'd previously encountered. Mm-hmm. So to make sure, I walked across the road, and they crossed behind me, Uh-oh. and then I walked briskly back across the road, and they followed behind me, and then they were plainly gaining on me, and I was walking very briskly. So they must have been trying to keep up with me because most people don't walk that fast. No. So my right hand was in my pocket, firmly grasping my belt of PPK. <laughs> my thumb was on a safety catch, my forefinger to the side of the trigger. And as I looked over my shoulder, I could see two of the men were right behind me, and one had a knife in his hand. So I spun around, wow. drew my pistol, aimed it right into his face, and the would-be assailant and his accomplice did some fancy footwork like a ballerina pirouette, and they ran away. Hmm. So I lowered my pistol, but I kept alert because the third man in the group who had struggled behind continued walking up to me, and he was laughing. And he said, I told them you were too alert, but they said they'd take a chance. Are you Swedish, he asked me. What? I said, no, I'm South African. And he said, we normally try to avoid South Africans. We actually focus on foreigners. They're not armed. <laughs> and this chap kept... Uh, cheerfully chatting away, and you'd think he was in the tourism business, which I suppose he was. So, during my hour-long stroll along the Durban beachfront, I saw no police until my return. I was close to the big municipal swimming pool, and there was a couple of fast food joints, and there were several police vehicles, and over 14 well-armed police with body armor there. So I asked them if there'd been some trouble. You know, was there riots or something? No, they're just on patrol. I said, well, in less than 10 minutes, I, I was mugged twice, but I didn't see any police on the Marine Parade Golden Mile at all. And so they said they'd just stopped for coffee and donuts. Well, I said I was surprised that all 14 had stopped for refreshments at the very same place and time with no police visible along the entire crime-ridden Marine Parade Tourist Boulevard. Yeah. So evidently, tourists and citizens need to be able to defend themselves because muggers feel free to operate within the tourist meccas. And these criminals prefer unarmed victims. So when seconds count, the police are minutes away. Oh, that, citizens save lives. That is so true. Oh my goodness, this is an amazing story, and, and I I can anticipate a question right away if I'm if I may. Um, some folks are one hundred percent pacifists. You know, if they're going to get killed, they'll get killed. No pushback. Um, I don't share that uh, opinion, and I'm with you. Um, do you ever find Christians that say, oh, no, if, if God wants to kill me, here I am. Just go ahead and kill me. How do you handle people like that? Well, I've, I've met these people mainly in Europe and America, but seldom do you meet them in Africa because in Africa, life is very fragile and danger yeah. is very real. You know, not only are there wild animals, <laughs> snakes and so on, there's wild people and uh, serpent-like people uh, out there, criminals. Yes. And so... Uh, we recognize that uh, we need to be able to save lives. When when we must act decisively to protect our loved ones, we must pray for God to make us fast and accurate. So we need yes. to be prepared. So I challenge the people. Uh, first of all, they would say, you've got to love the enemy. I say, well, I do love my enemy. I've spent my life taking the gospel to Correct. communist terrorists. So I love my enemy. Uh, but take, for example, my friend Sean van Beek, who 
He was in the St. James massacre attack when the terrorists attacked the church. He shot back, wounded one of them, stopped the attack, pursued them, fired at the terrorists again. They were standing outside the church with their rifles ready to shoot people as they tried to flee, I presume. So he fired at them and they totally fled, um, sped down the road in their stolen car. And then he helped the people who had been uh, injured. And then he testified in court uh, when these criminals were caught and uh, saw them put away. Then he visited them in prison and took Bibles to them, prayed with them in a cell and shared the gospel with them, visited them in their home. Now, now that's balance. We We must love God with all our hearts, all minds, strength, love our family, love our neighbors, love uh, our enemies even. But we don't let love for our enemies overrule our love for God or love for our family or love for our neighbors. So he first showed love for his neighbors by seeking to protect them from an unlawful and wicked attack. Correct. But then after he had done what he could to protect the innocent, he showed love for the criminals to take them the gospel and to put Bibles wow. in their hands, even went to their families and um, handed um Gospels and booklets to them saw that there was Bibles in the homes of the atheists and communists and terrorists who had attacked our church. So to me, I will do everything I can to protect my country and to protect my churches and families and friends. But I've also gone over and above to communist countries and Muslim countries, and I've even gone to terrorist bases. I've shown the Jesus form in in communist and Muslim terrorist camps up to the PLO to um, Zanu, Zampu, Falimo. I've shared the gospel with the ANC and other criminal anti-Christian uh, communist terrorist groups. And uh, through the Jesus Forum and through Bible distribution, I've sought to bring the gospel to communists. And I've brought many of our enemies to Christ over the years, by God's grace. That's so wonderful. To me, loving your, na- loving your enemy doesn't mean that you won't protect your neighbor or your family when they're under attack. Yeah. And the Bible distinguishes between six words for, for kill. Uh, in the Hebrew, it's clear there's a, and you can see by context in the Bible, when the Bible says you shall not kill, the word is you shall not commit murder. Yeah. So the Bible, one word is murder, and another um, word for kill in Hebrew is killing in battle, such as what David did. And then there's uh, killing an animal or killing in self-defense or sacrificing an animal. Uh, and then there is also um, uh, murder. There's, there's self-defense, there's murder, there's national defense, so there's distinguishing in the in the Old Testament clearly between all these categories. And so when the Bible says you shall not commit murder in Exodus 20, it tells you later on in Exodus 20 that you are to execute murderers. So obviously not all killing is forbidden. Yes. And the Bible distinguishes between um, what is plainly a uh, accidental death, uh, what do we call it when it's a man- manslaughter. So mm-hmm. manslaughter is distinguish it when you're culpable, you're responsible, but like the axe head fell off the axe in the forest and hit someone, you didn't mean to kill him, but you're still responsible. But you you don't have the same penalties for manslaughter as you do for murder, which is premeditated and malicious, Um, and you don't put national defense or killing an enemy in battle in the same category, nor do you put execution of a murderer duly uh, sentenced in the same category. So the Bible does distinguish between these and many of God's great men, such as David, who is a man after God's own heart, he killed people in battle, but God did not count him guilty of bloodshed until he conspired to murder an innocent person uh, through uh, the letter that brought Uriah the Hittite uh, into yes. a battle where he was. Uh, now, that was that was blood guilt. So the Bible clearly distinguishes between intent and purpose. And then we commanded to fight to defend our family. In Nehemiah, we read, you know, fight for your 
wives, your families, your homes, and your children. Uh, Nehemiah 4 verse 14, uh, Jesus said, if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Yeah. And so, plainly, the Bible is not a pacifist document, and God is not a pacifist God. God did destroy all the Egyptian charioteers in the Red Sea. God did strike dead um, the firstborn of Egypt uh, who weren't under the protection of the blood um, during the the 10th plague. And uh, God has struck dead the Assyrians who were surrounding Jerusalem and protected his people. God struck dead a nice and survived. God is not a pacifist. Now I'm looking at the clock here, and we just ran out of time. Our guest today is Dr. Peter Hammond. We could talk for another hour, I think, Peter, but I want you to give uh, the address so people can find you, learn more, and particularly sign up for this Give, Send, Go slash Frontline Fellowship. Just a final word so people can find you online. Thank you. Our email is mission at frontline.org.za. Mission at frontline.org.za, I think America's pronounce it. Mission at uh, at frontline.org.za and then our website www.frontlinemissionsa.org the SA short for South Africa so frontlinemissionsa.org is the website we also have a frontline mission NA short for North America.org where our books can be ordered from America we've got a oh, uh, site in Florida and my books like Frontline Behind Enemy Lines for Christ Slavery, Terrorism, Islam Faith Undefined Sudan these books can now be ordered in America without delays and without oh that's problems. great so that's frontlinemissionna.org. And if people want to contact me personally, peter at frontline.org.za. I'm also involved in social media quite a lot. So on Facebook, you'll see Peter Hammond and Frontline Fellowship and Literature for Africa. And on our mission website, you will see there's a donate button and supporting priority projects and the different gifts and go Beautiful. options. Because these are, of course, ongoing needs. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Dan. Oh, thank you. God bless you, Peter, my dear friend. And uh, stay well, as best lies within your ability. Stay well, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. God bless. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.